Rinkwide Vancouver. The Canucks fall 5-2 to the Flames at the Saddle Dome. This is the post-game podcast. Jeff Patterson along with Irfan Gaffar joining us here in studio today as we break all of this down. Rinkwide Vancouver, a presentation of Betway, and it felt like travel perhaps caught up to the Vancouver Canucks. Take nothing away from the Calgary Flames. They are a team that needs all the points that they can get after a sluggish start, but sluggish kind of describes the Vancouver Canucks playing their fourth game in six nights, but beyond that, four different cities from Toronto to Montreal, home to Vancouver for a game, and then into Cowtown, and it didn't feel like they packed their skating legs with them as they made the quick trip to Calgary last night after that 4-3 overtime win against the New York Islanders. So you can't win them all. The Canucks fall to 12-4-1 on the season. 6-4 and four now on the road are the Canucks. Of course, uh, nearly unblemished on home ice, but that road record sitting at 6-4. and four. Irf, when we look at this one, obviously, I mean, there's been so much to like about this Vancouver Hockey Club this yep. season. You're going to have... Some games like this one, and I do think, not that this team needs excuses, but I do think travel kind of caught up with them. Oh, 100%. And I mean, you put yourself in a position where you don't want to lose games, but you can afford to lose one here or there. So definitely, the legs weren't tired from last night. The legs were tired from the plane from Montreal to coming home, then having the practice day, and then having to play, and then getting on the plane and playing tonight. I mean, you got to credit the Flames a little bit for kind of slowing it down and mucking it up a little bit, making life difficult. But towards probably about the 10-minute mark of the second period, Jeff and onward, the Canucks looked like they were in quicksand and sinking very quickly. And obviously, the score sheet definitely shows that. I mean, you look at some of the Canucks' top guys, Pedersen, Miller, and obviously Quinn Hughes combined minus nine. Just not a good night. Positive storyline, though. You know, you have the NHL debut of Linus Carlson. I mean, five shots on goal. Just over 11 minutes of ice time, just under 12 minutes and plus one. I mean, he's one of the only guys that's on the positive side there. So there's a little bit of positive, but back to the drawing board, obviously, for Rick Tockett and his bunch. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the big three for the Vancouver Canucks, Patterson, Miller, Hughes. They combine, so they each do find the score sheet yeah. on this night. Just a brilliant power play goal. The flip side of that coin is, as good as the power play has been, and it's won the Canucks a bunch of hockey games, including the game on Wednesday night against the Islanders, Five-on-five scoring has sort of been masked by how much offense they're generating with the man advantage. Now, they did get a five-on-five goal midway through the third period when Nils Hoaglander tipped the Tyler Myers shot. That made it a 4-2 hockey game, and you thought, all right, we've seen this team score in bunches. They're not done, but they were done. There was uh, nothing more there. But still, you go back to the Toronto game, both of the goals against the Leafs came on the power play. The Montreal game, they did score three five-on-five goals all in the second period, and then a couple of empty netters against the Islanders, three power play goals, and a three-on-three overtime goal. And then here, it looked for the longest time like it was going to be just the one power play goal for the Vancouver Canucks. Now, you can feast on the power play. The power play can win you games, but there are going to be nights where you either don't have it, or you run into top-notch penalty killing on the other side, the bulk of the game is still played at five-on-five. And so as good as Pedersen and Hughes and Miller have been, uh, and I'm not going to throw darts at these guys just on one off night, but again, the bulk of their production lately has come with the man advantage uh, it would be nice to see a little bit more five-on-five score. No, I agree with you. I mean, you live by the power play and you die by the power play. And tonight, they didn't really have many opportunities. So you have to 
get back to your five on five game and you have to get back to, you know, being able to create chances, generate chances and can't just hope that you're going to draw a penalty. I mean, obviously, you know, some games are called a lot different. You're going to see a lot more power plays, but for this Vancouver Canucks team, you have to find ways to generate scoring at five on five. And, you know, there, there, there's so much talk about this coaching staff and, and the way that they work and and how their power play has clicked and how good it's been. It's been the talk of not only us here in Vancouver, but across the National Hockey League, the way they fire the puck, the way they move it around. Well, you've got to do that five on five because they're going to zone in. They're going to try to not take penalties and they're going to try and make you earn victories. And that's one of the things that the Calgary Flames did tonight. They made the Canucks try and earn every inch of that ice. They were more physical them than they outshot them by a large margin. I mean, for the Vancouver Canucks, you know, they didn't really have it. And yes, you can blame the fatigue and blame the travel and all of that. But on some nights, you know, this was probably the one where you look at and say, okay, they're probably pretty much done after this one. You can understand it. Like, it's a long season. Not every game is the same. That was an emotional game against the Islanders. Yeah. Not just the return of Bo Horvat in that storyline, but falling behind Two nothing, and again at three to one, and clawing your way all the way back, and then having the captain score the winner in OT again. Like take all the travel and everything else, you could almost understand a, a letdown just coming off the high of that kind of victory. But then you tack on the travel, and also the fact that injuries are now becoming a little bit of a factor. The depth of the Canucks is being tested here. Kuzmenko misses his first game of the season. Pia Suter misses back-to-back games. We know that Carson Soucy is going to be out for a while. Other guys step in and and step up. The depth players didn't perform well. Nils Hoaglander gets his fourth of the year, so he's already got more goals this year than he had in all of the time that he spent in the National Hockey League last season before he was demoted. So good to see him hustling, and he seemed to have his legs. Now, he hasn't played as much hockey as some others uh, of late. The healthy scratch uh, the other night in Montreal. Let's get into Linus Carlson to make your NHL debut on your birthday. Like, that's a great storyline right there. And I think Rick Tockett rewarded him for a decent debut, put him out on that power play in the final 30 seconds and had the chance at the buzzer. 11 minutes and 54 seconds of ice time, five shots on goal, had the shot block that they showed a couple of times on the broadcast as well, did not look out of place. No. Getting his feet wet in the National Hockey League. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, I think that there was some talk before the season that, you know, if he didn't get a crack here with the big club this season, then, you know, maybe going back to Sweden might be an option for him or what have you. But... Look, he he made his debut. It was on his birthday. I mean, obviously, he was happy about that. Gets the solo lap there at the Saddle Dome. And, you know, that's not a bad debut. I mean, your team loses, obviously. But five shots on goal, just under 12 minutes of ice time. You're obviously on the positive side of the plus minus. And you get rewarded. I mean, albeit there was 30 seconds left in the game and it's garbage time a little bit. But you generated two chances there. It was was a shot, obviously, off the post. And you made Jacob Markstrom uh, make a save. But this is something that's going to happen you're going to have injuries to your top guys. It, it, it's very evident the Canucks have injuries to a couple key players that are every night uh, regulars, but it's now going to see what depth you have in Abbotsford and who's the next guy that's going to be called up. Who's the next Linus Carlson that you're going to get up? Well, obviously, uh, Rose has gone back down, and is he going to come back up at some point here? The status of Pia Suter, we don't really know what's going on there. So you go back and you look at wins and losses that define this season. We're in November. This loss is not going to define the Canucks season. Oh, it was the end of a, of, a, of a grueling run of games. And look, they still have a game on Saturday night, right? So you don't really get much rest. You're coming back after midnight. 
on Friday and you have a game on Saturday. So it's going to be interesting. Hopefully, you know, maybe it's a day off tomorrow, probably will be, but you got to get right back at it. And I think that's one of the things about the National Hockey League. You really have no time for rest and you can't get into these funks. Yeah. And it's not just that they play Saturday, then they play Monday yeah. and then they're back out on the road. So uh, you look at this portion of the schedule, it's a 10 game stretch here where the quality of opponent maybe isn't as high as other stretches, but the schedule is so compressed. And I do think you have to factor that in. And then on top of that, we don't know the extent, as you said, of some of the injuries here and the possibility that other guys can get banged up and, and go down with injury too. So you take them every, as they come at you on the schedule, the next up is going to be Seattle at home on Saturday. Now, when I look at this game, I mean, the Canucks opened the scoring. So they got off to a decent start. There was the Penalty kill, and then Elias Pettersson draws the power play. They whip it around, as we said. Uh, just phenomenal puck movement. Nine and a half minutes into the hockey game, Canucks are up one nothing, And then the game kind of got dull, or maybe it continued to be dull. Yes. There wasn't a whole lot going on, but I think for the Canucks, they were probably fine. It's the road team. They get their one nothing lead. You're thinking, can they get out of this first period up one nothing? And the answer to that was they couldn't. Mackenzie Weger off the rush. Nice little touch pass from A.J. Greer. Not exactly known for uh, finesse, but uh, put the puck in the wheelhouse and, and Weger snaps it past Casey to Smith. And, and instead of the Canucks getting the locker room up one, it's a tie game. Now they're still in it. Uh, you get the locker room come out for the second period. And that's when Calgary really kind of turned up the heat and, and most of the second period played in the Vancouver Canucks zone. But before we leave the first period, I want to go back to... You know, again, there are all sorts of turning points in any hockey game, but the Canucks already had the one on the lead on the goal by Elias Pettersson, and then Connor Garland found Pettersson all alone in the slot. One of the better scoring chances the Canucks had on the night, and it's the guy that you would want with the puck on his stick, and I think he went off the mask of Jacob Markstrom, but that would have been huge. If the Canucks had been able to take a 2-0 lead, we know that there is angst uh, in both Alberta cities for the starts that their hockey clubs have been off to. If the Canucks, with sort of this reputation of, you know, the the role that they're on, if they got into the Saddle Dome and got up 2-0, yeah. maybe the fans turn on the home team a little bit. Uh, unfortunately for Elias Pettersson, wasn't able uh, to make it a 2 nothing hockey game. No, and credit to Connor Garland for that pass. I mean, he was able to find him right there. And I bet you if you ask Elias Pettersson that nine times out of ten, that's in the back of the net, right? Just unlucky. Yep. First period, you have that lead. And then, obviously, with two minutes left, Mackenzie Weger scores. And it's kind of a backbreaker. You go, okay, what well, we're still kind of in it, like you mentioned. And then you enter the second period. And then, obviously, Dylan Dubé scores. And then things kind of started to go a little bit sideways for the Vancouver Canucks. I mentioned they were in quicksand. And the second period was a lot of that. A lot of the play was in the Vancouver end for that second period. And, um, you know, credit to Casey DeSmith. He made some big saves when when he had to. But in the end, obviously, too little, too late. And the Canucks end up falling. I mean, for the second period, if, if you're the Vancouver Canucks and, and you're looking back at that on tape, it's there was just a lot of mental errors. And I think that obviously does come with fatigue. But those are mistakes that you just can't make at the NHL level for some of those guys. So there's a lot of mental errors, a lot of sluggish play. And that was kind of how the theme of the hockey game was for the last 40 minutes was just very sluggish. But uh, Jeff, I'll ask you this. What did you like? I mean, not very much, <laughs> but was there anything that you liked from the Canucks? The fact that guys like Niels Hoagland yeah. are pushed to the end. And, you know, this is a guy that doesn't want to come out of the lineup. And right now uh, he didn't have to because uh, there are injuries. But with Teddy Bluger back, uh, we know that the Canucks are going to have some decisions to make here. And again, we don't know the extent or the length of time that guys like Kuzmenko and Suter are going to be on the sideline. But, I mean, I've liked the effort from Nils Hoaglander just about every night out. Good hand-eye coordination there. 
But quite frankly, you know, we're kind of grasping at straws in terms of, again, it's one game. After the run that they've been on, they can afford a letdown. They can be given a pass on an off night like this one. The question is, and they've done a really nice job of it the few times that they have lost, is how do they bounce back now on Saturday against the Calgary Flames? I want to get to Casey DeSmith because he's been such a good news story for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, there were some moments and he did make some saves early on in that second period because it's a one-all tie through the middle stages of that second period. But the Dylan Dubé goal... That's not the backbreaker because at 2-1, to one, you're one shot away. You're still in the hockey game. That one didn't seal the deal. The Hannafin one, to me, did at 3-1 to one in the final minute of that second period. But back to the Dubé goal. Unfortunately for Casey DeSmith, puck gets through him, and it's sitting there behind him in the blue paint. And, you know, that's just a goal that the Canucks haven't given up yeah. this year where— where was Ian Cole to swoop in and knock it off the goal line? That, uh, you know, we saw him do it against the Islanders. We've seen him do it before. Uh, but that's a little bit of a greasy goal that, you know, Thatcher Demko has been making those saves, Casey Smith. You know, if the puck does trickle behind them, they either reach back and cover it or a teammate is there to to save their bacon. And so uh, that was a tough one for him because Dubé's there to knock it home. That makes it 2-1. to one. And again, if the Canucks get out of the second period at 2-1, to one, fine. They score enough in a one-goal game, kind of like, on Wednesday night against the Islanders. Like, I, I think I would have liked their chances to at least level the score. But when Noah Hannafin swoops in on that <laughs> right side and it just felt like every single Canuck bit on the fact that he was going to go behind the net and then, you know, good on him, pops out in front and goes uh, off to Smith's stick and in. And to me, that was the dagger. I just, I didn't feel a comeback in the offing for the Vancouver Canucks. Again, at 2-1, to one, maybe, at 3-1, to one, that just felt like a massively deflating goal. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a deflating shift. They were just bad that entire shift. Outshot 17-5 to five in the second period alone. They just yeah. they just didn't have it. A lot of people are going to say that they're afford and they, they can afford to have an off night and grasping at straws to see kind of what, what went well. I mean, yes, the Canucks haven't let in those greasy goals and, and haven't let in things like that, but... You got to credit the Flames. I mean, they they crashed the net, did what they needed to do. They mucked it up and they ended up being rewarded. I mean, granted, you're not going to get a basically beat up hockey team and very tired from travel every single night. But from the Canucks point of view, I mean, you chalk this up, you throw it out the window and you get ready for Saturday night. Yeah, a bit of a scheduling quirk in as much as the Canucks are back into Calgary on the 2nd of December. So two weeks from now, they're back at the Saddle Dome. The Flames aren't here in Vancouver until late March and then again in early April. So uh, there's still three more games to go head-to-head, but uh, they won't be here in Vancouver until uh, the tail end of the season. But the Canucks will be right back in Cowtown in a couple of weeks' time. Now, you're down 3-1. to one. We've seen this team come back before, so I didn't want to write them off. But if ever there was a way that you didn't want to start the third period— it's with Quinn Hughes and <laughs> Philip Horonic in the penalty box together. You do some you know, simple math there. If those two guys are sitting, uh, it means that uh, they started the third period four on four, and it was Ian Cole and Noah Juleson were the defenders that were out to start the third period on fresh ice. And both of those guys got out of the penalty box uh, before too long, but still they felt like the sort of turbochargers if there was going to be a comeback. And, and so not ideal to have uh, the two uh, top scoring defensemen pretty much in the league, in the penalty box to start that third period of play for the Vancouver Canucks. And, you know, you mentioned the shots on goal. They finished 39-24 on the night, 17-5 in the second period, 11-10 for the Flames in the third. So over the final 40 minutes, again, as fatigue sort of took its toll on the Vancouver Canucks, 
Uh, the shots tell the story there, 28 to 15 over the final two periods in this hockey game. And, you know, if you dig under the hood a little bit, uh, look at the advanced numbers uh, at five on five, Flames controlled 60.5% of all the shot attempts. So uh, pretty wide margin there for the Calgary Flames. The scoring chances at even strength, 30 to 20. The shots were 35-19. And we come back to that five-on-five five issue for the Vancouver Canucks. They get outscored three to one at five-on-five five in this hockey game. You want a quirk. And we'll get to the stat that stands out a little bit later in this broadcast. But I'm not sure I've ever seen this. Where five different scores for a team all score their third goals of the season. Uyghur, Dubé, Hannafin, Huberdeau, and Elias Lindholm into the empty net. That one was uh, the final nail in the coffin for the Vancouver Canucks. They lose by a score of 5-2. to two, Fall to 12-4-1 and one on the season. We should also note, uh, pretty remarkable, that they got to the 16th of November. This is their first conference loss. Yeah. They are now 8-1. and one. So you wonder... You know, what have they done to build this massive cushion and put themselves where they were, sleeping on the conference lead? Well, you beat the teams that you're going to be battling with uh, straight up, and all of those wins have been regulation wins as well. That's pretty good uh, formula to work your way through the Pacific and the, and the Western Conference. And so uh, they're not going to win them all. They weren't going to go unblemished the entire season, but still a remarkably impressive record within the Western Conference now at 8-1. and one. No, of course. And I mean, you you mentioned the third goals for all those guys. I mean, the Flames aren't scoring much. It just goes to show you not that many goals being scored by the Calgary Flames this season. Obviously, one of the things that I looked at third period, I mean, Rick Tockett's done it before is putting his lines in a blender, yeah. kind of just kind of getting things, trying to get things going. You had you know, Dakota Joshua playing with Pedersen and Garling, Bovillier, Bluger, DiGiuseppe, and then you had Besser, Miller, and McKayev, and then obviously towards the end of the game, you and I both noticed that the lotto line was reunited to try and interject any energy, if they could, and to try and generate some scoring chances, but they lost a game that they probably, if you looked at the calendar and the way the schedule worked, they might have lost. You know, I mean, not you're not going to win every game. They're 1-1-1, one, one, and, one, and now the second half of back-to-backs this season, and you kind of just go from here. I want to get back to a point that you made, and I totally agree with you, and that is that the Calgary Flames, and I think they think that their identity is to you know, be a fairly rugged physical group, but I thought without a doubt that they were uh, the ones that were sort of pressing that issue in this hockey game, and nobody more so than Martin Pospisil. <laughs> Dangerous hit on JT Miller late in the first period. Like It's a good thing that Miller went down under the crossbar and into the net, because if his head hits the crossbar, I mean, he was hit hard in that, you know, unsuspecting. Like, that was just a dangerous play. But Pospisil took a run at uh, Quinn Hughes as well. That drew the attention of Philip Heronik. And so, you know, it does beg the question that, you know, on those nights where other teams want to try to slow the Canucks down and they want to target Quinn Hughes, you know, where's the pushback? And I didn't see an awful lot of pushback from anybody wearing a Canuck uniform in this hockey game. No, and I think that at that point, at some point in the game where they felt like it got away from them, I mean, obviously JT Miller got up and was angry, as he should have been. I mean, thankfully, you know, the net was there and he was able to duck and go into that. It could have been a lot worse. And then I think Pospisil is just a guy that was playing with no fear, right? Missed all of last season. And he's he's a guy that's now trying to make a name for himself on this Flames roster. And where you are in the standings right now, you're going to get that team's best effort against you every single night. The Canucks haven't had that for years, Jeff, yeah. where they've been the target 
They are. They're the talk of the league. They're the talk of the town. Everyone wants to interview Elias Pettersson, JT Miller, and Quinn Hughes before every single game. So you're going to get that team's best effort probably every single, more nights often than not. So it's one of those things that when you look at it now as a Vancouver Canuck, you're going to have a target on your back. What is going to happen and how are you going to come together as a group if a guy gets run? I'm not saying go and jump the guy and take stupid penalties, but how are you going to come together? I mean, is Dakota Joshua going to have to do a better job of it? It's one of those things where I think they need to learn from it. And they need to realize that they're going to get the best from every other team. You and I talked about it before, like November 30th can't come soon enough with the Vegas Golden Knights coming to town. And you hope the Canucks obviously win a few games. Vegas probably does. But that's going to be a very, very interesting matchup. Yeah. And we should mention that uh, the Canucks were the the top of the heap in the Western Conference for at least one night. And they may get back there. But Vegas wins a wild one in Montreal Six to five, so Vegas has moved back in front of the Vancouver Canucks, who failed to pick up points at the Saddle Dome in Calgary. And I said, you know, where was the pushback? I suppose credit to Phil Horonic, who did at least take matters into his own hands and kind of got in a wrestling match with Martin Pospisil. <laughs> and we should mention Earth as well that all good things must come to an end. And so it is with Philip Horonic's point streak. And really, I mean, just an incredible. A story to get to 11, and it matched Dennis Kearns for the franchise record, the bullet goal against the Islanders to extend the streak, but uh, nothing doing. And so maybe it's not a surprise that, you know, it was this kind of night where the streak was going to end. It wasn't Heronic's best game. It wasn't anybody in the Canucks lineup. Well, I guess it was Linus Carlson's best game because he had never played uh, at this level before. But uh, among the you know, the leaders, the go-to guys, uh, just a, a fairly quiet night all around. But still, for Philip Ronick, I mean, it's just been an amazing start to this season, an incredible addition to this hockey club. 11 straight games with a point. Yeah. Uh, remarkable four defensemen. Quinn Hughes is going to hold almost all the franchise records. And maybe Quinn Hughes will get there at some point. I think his uh, career best is 10 straight with a point. Philip Aronik doing something that even Quinn Hughes hasn't done. And this was Quinn Hughes' 300th game in the National Hockey League. We should mention that as well. The Canucks fall by a score of 5-2 to two in Calgary. They are at home to the Seattle Kraken on Saturday night. And then the San Jose Sharks come calling on Monday. It's time right now for our Betway bet of the day and a relatively quiet Friday in the National Hockey League. Just three games and only two of them on this continent. Buffalo's at Winnipeg. The Jets are 6-2-2 in their last 10. Kyle Connor going off these days. Sabres are struggling and now they're dealing with some injuries. The Jets at home pay out at 155. That's your Betway bet of the day. Must be 19 years of age or older. Please play responsibly. It is Jeff Patterson along with Irf Gaffar. We're breaking down a 5-2 Canuck loss in Calgary. This is Rink-Wide Vancouver. So Rink-Wide Vancouver, it's Jeff, it's Irf as we get ready to hear from the head coach. And I'm kind of curious, uh, Rick Tockett usually... With a pretty good take, I, I like his feel. He's got uh, certainly a, a candor and you know, doesn't sugarcoat it. Hasn't had to sugarcoat much, obviously, this season. So there's been an awful lot to like. You think back to the 2 nothing loss in Philadelphia. Uh, maybe the low watermark for this hockey club this season. But there haven't been many nights like that. And this was different. Uh, that one was the start of uh, an Eastern road trip. And I'm not sure if they got their wires crossed then and there were time zone issues there. This was more fatigue. I mean, the Philadelphia game was game three of the season. I don't think you can use fatigue uh, then. But uh, again, there were reasons for this, but every team has to go through these sort of portions of their schedule. And so 
what do they take away? What you know? What do they learn? And will they be better the next time around? Because uh, next week they're back out on the road. And this is Rick Tockett after this loss in Calgary, just talking about the fact that uh, yeah, it seemed like the travel caught up to his hockey club. It's, it's, it catches up. I mean, every, all teams go through it. There's a part of the schedule. I think it, it, the time zones and stuff it caught up. Um, but like I said, I thought you know if we just could have hung around there when it's two to one and just kind of waited out. Um, Interesting to hear him say basically the same thing we did <laughs> that you know just if they could have hung around at two to one, but we both agreed that that three one goal really did kind of feel like the the kick in the gut. Well, didn't have their legs. Yeah, tried to get some juice mm-hmm. in the third period. Lines in the blender. I think it's it's everything you think you hear from Red Talkett when his team is coming off of the way that the schedule has worked and the way that they went out and played tonight. And then he obviously, you know, he, he did give end up giving some credit to Linus Carlson for his debut. Obviously, there was some the injury updates because Menko obviously maybe good to go on Saturday and uh, P.S. Studer still day to day, but. You mentioned, obviously, Rick has the candor and then the way that he goes about things, and he's very honest and open when he needs to be about his team, but that was his team's performance today. They didn't have legs. He tried to interject some 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 juice or some fire into it by putting the lines in a blender, and it just, it just didn't work, and they just didn't have it tonight, Jeff. No, and, you know, I think there will be some nights uh, before the season mm-hmm. is through that he has to crack the whip, but I think this guy... Look, he played 1,100-plus games in the National Hockey League. He went through back-to-backs and three and four and four and six. He gets it. And so I don't think that he's going to punish his team in any way. It's just a question now of, you know, needing more. And Saturday's that next opportunity. And we'll see who's available to him. You mentioned injury updates. This is Rick Tockett after the game. He was asked about both Kuzmenko and Pia Suter. Kuzi's feeling good. You know, there's a good possibility for Saturday. Uh, Suits uh, is still day-to-day. I'm not sure what's Saturday. So that's promising on Kuzmenko because uh, anybody that was there in the building on Wednesday, I mean, that didn't look good. You eat a, a JT Miller <laughs> slap shot, you know, there was blood, they needed help off the ice. I mean, that's a scary, scary situation. So I'm glad to hear that. And I know that he had posted on social that everything was fine, but uh, just glad to hear somebody from the organization say that, you know, trending and possible for Saturday. I mean, that's that's pretty good news when it comes to Kuzmenko. Yeah, and I assume that he might, depending on if and where the cut is, maybe in a cage or some yeah. sort of variation of a cage and, you know, they feel like he's good enough or the head and the concussion issues, we know how the, those issues are in the National Hockey League, so if he's okay to go, I bet you he skates um, tomorrow by himself, even though the team probably has a day off to try and see if he can go, but that's definitely some good news for them and obviously a player that they desperately need, a player that Elias Pedersen likes playing a lot with on that top line um rick obviously being very candid in previous press conferences but again going back to what we talked about maybe having to crack the whip i don't think this one is one of those games where he looks at his team and says you know what we we need to buck up we were terrible yeah you probably weren't that good but i think he as a head coach understands kind of where they are all right it's time for the rink wide vancouver three stars we always like to start uh, by looking at the stars that were selected in the building earth i'm going to need your help here because uh the three stars selected at the Saddle Dome by Pat Steinberg, uh, radio host in Calgary, Elias Lindholm. Uh, yeah, no problems with that one. Jonathan Huberdo, not a star very often for the Calgary Flames, but scored a nice goal and also had an assist. A.J. Greer was the third star in the building. Now, he had an assist, and it was a nice assist on the Mackenzie Weger goal that tied the game at one. A.J. Greer was the low ice time man on either side. Nobody played less in this game than A.J. Greer is one assist 
enough to be a star in the building. AJ Greer is Pat's go-to in the locker room for a quote <laughs> after every single win or loss. That's the only explanation you can have that there. I mean, look, you you could have given the third start to Jacob Markstrom. I mean, there's definitely guys that were a lot more deserving than, than AJ Greer. They're a nice assist. I, I get it, but he didn't play. I mean, I guess you're making the most of your opportunity there, Jeff. Yeah. That's probably it, but there's definitely a different guy that I would give that to probably. Eight minutes and 39 seconds of ice time. He had the assist, he had a penalty, and he had uh, a single shot on goal. The rink-wide Vancouver three stars are all flames. That's not a surprise. And the first two are the same as they were at the Dome. Lindholm had a goal and two helpers. Huberto didn't exactly leave his fingerprints all over this, but for a guy that has just been in the crosshairs, dropped down to the third line, was involved, was invested. He had three shots on goal, eight attempts. He had a couple of hits in this hockey game. There were four giveaways. But ultimately, he was pulling the rope in the right direction for the Calgary Flames on this night. So we'll go with Jonathan Huberto as the second star. I've got Mackenzie Weger as the third star. I just think the fact that Weger and Hannafin, they get goals from a couple of defensemen. We've spent so much time here in this market talking about the offense that the Canucks have generated from the back end. So the Flames kind of beat the Canucks at their own game in that regard. But beyond that, for Mackenzie Weger, you look at the night, 20 minutes and 28 seconds of ice time, four shots on goal. It's the 11 attempt. Him. So was able to get the goal. And, that, and, and at 1-1, that's a big goal because we talked about it. If the Canucks get up 2-0, just sort of the mood in that city and in that building, I do think that it could have been pretty deflating for the Calgary Flames. So the mackenzie Weger goal off the rush, uh, a fairly significant one. So I go Lindholm, Huberto, and Weger as the rink-wide Vancouver three stars in this hockey game. I want to take a moment here to talk about the VGH Millionaire Lottery and you could be a multimillionaire for just $100 with your VGH Millionaire Lottery tickets. You get in to win one of 10 grand prize options, including home packages in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland, the Okanagan, Vancouver Island, or you can take $2.7 million in tax-free cash. Don't forget to get your 50-50 plus tickets. Win half of BC's biggest jackpot. It can grow to $2.4 million. Early buyers win more, including bonus draws and 51 early bird draws. We all need VGH. And VGH needs you. Every ticket purchase supports VGH and UBC Hospital Foundation. You can order your tickets toll-free at 1-888-445-5825 in person at London Drugs or online at MillionaireLottery.com. 19 plus to play. Know your limit and play within it. All right. We will finish up here on Rink Wide with uh, a look at uh, some listener feedback at our social channels. We'll get to the stat that stands out. I want to ask you about Anthony Beauvillier as well, because it's just been way too quiet around him. So we'll, we'll touch on that and whatever else. So we can squeeze into the final segment of Rinkwide Vancouver. Continuing to break down a 5-2 Canucks loss in Calgary. It's Jeff. It is Earth. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. We're going to get to a little listener feedback from our social channels here in a sec, but let's get to the, the stat that stands out because we've talked about him in this hockey game and he scored one of the two Canuck goals. He's up to eight on the season now, talking about Elias Pettersson, but there are two ends of the ice earth and I think the Washington game, the Capitals came through in early December and Pettersson was on the ice for all five of the Washington Capitals goals and it stood out because... We know the resume this guy is building as a 200-foot player and you know, Selkie candidate and all those types of things. But, I mean, it's been a theme to this night. 
He didn't have it. The team as a whole didn't have it. But it does jump off the page. It is a stat that stands out when you look at the final stat sheet and see Elias Pettersson at minus four. Well, yeah, I mean, it happens when you're on the ice as much as he is. Yep. Right? You're going to be on for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And tonight was one of those ones where it was just ugly on the stat sheet. Not only for him, obviously, Quinn Hughes and, and JT Miller, we can add to that. And you know what? Most of the Canucks, it just it just wasn't a good night. Um Elias Pettersson is going to be dependent on. He's going to be put on the ice in both situations, power play, PK, when they're down to try and win hockey games and, and when they're up to try and close hockey games. He's probably, if not their best, their most skilled player. You're going to have nights like this, but it does jump at you. And then we obviously look at it, and I'm sure, you know, the way that it comes into contract negotiation time. Only let me tell you this. Not that many people are going to look at the one game against Calgary (laughs) and say, oh, my God, he was minus four. And, you know, that's going to affect something like that. But if this keeps happening and, and it's a trend where they're losing games, and he is, you know, on on the wrong end of that plus minus, you know, there there there's something to take a little bit of stock in. But right now, I think it's just one of those nights. Look, they 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 were bad. None of them were really good. And you know, it's unfortunate that Elias Pettersson definitely had, was on the worst of the plus minus there. But I think when you look at Elias Pettersson, just kind of furthering this a little bit. I mean, there's been a lot of talks about the contract situation, what is going to happen, and you know, discussions back and forth, and kind of chipping away at it. It's definitely still going to be Jeff. It's going to be a shorter term deal for him. The money is going to be eleven million dollars minimum to start, and it's very deserving for you know, obviously the way that he's played and 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 the way that he's going to play and the way that he sees the trajectory of his career. It's um, an interesting conversation to have, and I know that a lot of people are starting to talk about it. Yeah, I mean, I think if the Canucks could get it to start with an eleven, they would run and sign yeah. off on that right about now. And you know, again, if this was an off night, he scores a beautiful power play goal. Uh, he's still atop the NHL scoring lead, so. Uh, if anybody can be given a pass on an off night, and especially when he's without, you know, the winger that he's had there since day one of training camp and all of last season as well in Andre Kuzmenko, uh, you know, you can understand some of the reasons for it. When you just look at the the final stat line for Patterson, the goal, we mentioned minus four, uh, 18 minutes and five seconds of ice time, two shots on goal, five attempts on the night. He was good in the faceoff circle. And I know there are some people that seem to think that the wrist was bothering him again. You know, he's nine and four in the faceoff circle. Scored the one-timer in Ottawa last week. Uh, got some zip on the one tonight. I, I'm not sure that the wrist is an issue or at least bothering him to the extent that some people think he is. The underlying numbers weren't kind, but they weren't kind to a lot of people. The shots on goal at evens uh, 10-4 in the Flames' favor when Patterson was out there on the ice and uh, they outscored uh, him 2 nothing when he was out there as well. want to get to a little bit of listener feedback here from our social channels at Rinkwide Van. A lot of people give them the pass based on the fatigue and the travel. Some people questioning the defense. Uh, D needs to be sorted out. Guys look lost playing their offside. Juleson needs to go. Interesting that Akito Hirose, who got called up, but then they had to make room on the roster. And so he was the guy that gets sent down to bring Linus Carlson in. And so Hirose was here, practiced with the team on Tuesday, took the morning skate on Wednesday, but didn't get into that lineup. And yeah, we'll see where it goes from here. I mean, Rick Tockett uh, loves his lefty-righties, and so it is a little surprising to see them go here two games with four right-handers and only two left-shot defensemen. Uh, we also know, though, that Tockett wasn't a huge fan of Hiroshi's training camp. The fact that he questioned his fitness didn't play a lot in the preseason, and so 
you know, the other thing too was talk it mentioned it after practice at UBC the other day that really it was a 50-50 whether it was going to be Christian Wolanin or Akito Hiroshi, but apparently Wolanin nursing a minor injury down on the farm. But that made it sound to me like had he been fully healthy, that Wolanin would have been the guy that got the call this time. Yeah. I mean, and if you look at it moving forward to Saturday, if Kuzmenko can go, you know, you're probably going to see a little bit of shift or a change in that defense with Akito Hirose maybe being a guy that that draws into the lineup there. But it's just one of those things, Jeff, like that. That's why there's so many people talking about the Canucks and Patrick Alvin admits it. They want to improve on the defense. Now, how are they going to be able to do it? I have absolutely no idea because of the way the cap world is and most teams are all capped out. And it's just you're going to have to use your depth and you're going to have to give a guys auditions and you're going to have to put guys in positions where they're not comfortable in. And I think that that's a big thing. So are they be, are they able to do that with four righties playing? Well, tonight obviously it didn't look like it. And you can give them a pass a little bit because it worked the other night. But I think when you move forward to you know Saturday's game, I think you're going to see Rick Talkin and his group switch that up a little bit. I want to ask you about Anthony Beauvillier and what <laughs> you've seen or have you seen uh, from Beauvillier. Another quiet night here, 16 games, 17 games now into the season for the Vancouver Canucks. He's got two goals. They both came in the romp in San Jose. And in fact, they're the last two goals, if I'm not mistaken, the ninth and 10th goals in a 10-1 win. Other than that, not a whole lot there. I know that Rick Tockett had praised Beauvillier for being a little more prominent out on the road trip, the game in Montreal. I think he had eight shot attempts and seemed to have a little bit of life there. Francophone going back into Montreal. Maybe that brought a little bit of life. The Islanders game last night, I know Horvat was the story, but you kind of thought that Maybe Anthony Bavillier would uh, look to leave his mark against his former team. Whatever the case, uh, on this night, 14 minutes of ice time, not a single shot on goal, a couple of shot attempts, but uh, nothing hitting the target. And it's just been way too quiet around this guy for far too long. In fact, you go back to the preseason, it was quiet in the preseason, so he didn't exactly hit the ground running when the season opened on October the 11th. But where does it go from here for Anthony Bavillier? To another team, if you're the Vancouver yeah. Canucks, if you can make that work. But obviously, like I just mentioned, things are very tough to do. Uh, it's You're right. It's been quiet. And, you know, he's not really doing anything. He's not not shooting the puck, not getting any shots on that. He's not helping his line mates create any different types of scoring chances or anything for that matter. So it's one of those situations where you look at it and he's making a lot of money. You know, yeah. he's making a lot of money to be in a position right now where you can't be teetering between the second and third line. Like you're a top six guy. You're being paid like one and you're playing like a bottom six forward. It's unfortunate because for the Canucks, it's one of those things where they want to put him in the lineup and they hope that they this player that they got in the trade for Bo Horvat was going to be that the player that they thought he, they were getting. And unfortunately, it just hasn't been that. And you're right. It goes back into preseason. It's just been a very slow, slow, sluggish start for Anthony Beauvillier. And you hope he can turn things around. But the way that it's looking right now, I, I think that it's got to be maybe an empty neck goal where it kind of gets him off, off being snake bitten or whatever it is. But you got to get a shot. You got to throw a hit. You got to do something. Yeah, I don't know if he'll uh, be out on the ice yeah. protecting a lead in that situation. The underlying's not kind to Beauvillier tonight. Uh, shot attempts were 24 to 10 for the Flames at even strength, so 29.4. Uh, Corsi for Anthony Beauvillier, the actual shots were 9 to 3. Now, he didn't get scored on, so I suppose uh, that's the positive in those numbers, but just another ineffective night for a guy, as you said, getting paid to make some things happen and just nothing uh, seems to have happened around Anthony Beauvillier, but nothing was happening for the Vancouver Canucks on this night as they fall by a score of 5-2 to two to the Calgary Flames at the Saddle Dome. Uh, Friday, a day off after back-to-backs, and then uh, back at it against the Seattle Kraken on Saturday at Rogers 
Arena, Irv. This was fun. It was good to get you in here, and hopefully uh, we'll get a chance to do this again as the season rolls along. Well, as long as you keep having me, I'll keep coming in, Jeff. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. Irfan Gaffar joining us here on Rinkwide Vancouver again. Thanks so much for everybody, uh, your support of the program here. We appreciate it. Keep the feedback coming on the social channels at Rinkwide Van. That is going to do it for us. The final score one more time. The Flames 5, the Canucks 2. You've been listening to Rinkwide Vancouver, brought to you by Betway.